Matthew chapter 28. Let's pray. I'll go ahead and get started. Good to be here, Lord. Thankful for this time to be here. Um, we're here to celebrate your birth. We're here to understand this and to not only understand it, but Lord, to go out and apply it and to really represent you in all these interactions this week with friends and family members, coworkers and neighbors, to truly represent the gospel and what this means that you came from heaven to earth to take care of our sins. Help us to keep that as the primary focus in all we do and say in your name. Amen. You know, I've heard a lot of teachers before where they um, build up their point to try to get to this great buildup, and they get to their big point at the end. I've never been a big fan of that type of teaching style. The reality is I don't know how much time we have here together. You may have to leave for an emergency. You may have to go for some other reason. Jesus Christ may return. I don't know. So the big point is this today. It's come and see and then go and tell. Come and see, go and tell. That's what we're going to build on. So therefore, you got the big point. If you want to get going now, I completely understand. But... Come and see, go and tell. This is a theme throughout the entire Bible. The Lord has always said, come and see first, experience this, then go proclaim this. And we're going to be in all four of the Gospels today, and we're going to end in the book of Revelation, because you're going to see this from Christ's birth to Christ's death to end times, this concept of come and see, go and tell. So let's start at the end first, and then work our way backwards. Matthew 28 Verse 1, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like a dead man. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he has said, come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Look at that phrasing again. You can see it right there. This idea, verse 6, come see, followed by verse 7 there, go tell. Come see, go tell. Now, just think this through for a second. Here's the problem. I'm, I'm assuming most everybody here has, has heard this story before. And, and I don't want to take that lightly. But the reality is we probably have all understood this idea that Jesus came down in the form of a man. He was God, came down in the form of a man. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. And then what happens is this. We celebrate this during December. Then we get to spring. March, Easter, and then we put Jesus up on a cross, and then we have the tomb become empty, and we have this very cyclical holiday season, it feels like, in churches. And we've got to be careful about that. Amen. Because what happens is this. Literally, every day is Christmas, and every day is Resurrection Sunday. Because every day Christ came down, and every day he defeated death. But here's the thing. I'm assuming most everybody here has heard at least this story of Jesus dying and rising again. Verse 6, come see. Verse 7, go tell. Here's the problem. I think we get so used to this, it starts to lose a little bit of the luster. It starts to lose a little bit of this excitement. It loses a little bit of the impact on this. Please stop and, and think for a second. If you're here this morning and you're born again and saved, that means you believe God took the form of a man, came down and died, and then three days later defeated death and now the tomb is empty. You believe that then. If you believe that, that's the most amazing story you could ever tell anybody. You don't need to talk about the weather anymore. 
You don't need to talk about sports. You don't need to have meaningless chit-chat about sunsets and sunrises and anything like that. In the back of your mind, you're constantly thinking, Lord, bring this up. Bring this conversation to the forefront that I know of somebody who died, defeated death, and the tomb is empty. Come see, then go tell. It completely changes how we live our lives. Let's build on this. Now let's go to Mark's account. Mark 16. Mark 16. Same account, a little bit different details. Mark 16, verse 1. Mark 16, 1. I just want to say real quick before we get into it. The longer I walk with the Lord, the more I realize the importance of the four gospel accounts. I, I highly encourage you, stay near the gospels. In your devotional life, cover all 66 books. Be in the Old Testament, be in the New Testament, but there's something special about sticking close to the Gospels. There's a reason why they gave us four Gospel accounts of his life. To see these details and to understand who Jesus is. Remember, as Christians, the goal is to be Christ-like. So therefore, I want to be like Jesus. How am I going to be like Jesus? Well, then let's study who Jesus was and let's learn to be like him. So, Mark 16, verse 1, his account. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, that's why we have sunrise service, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb and the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. Most accounts say these stones could have been a ton, 2,000, 2,500 pounds. Verse 5, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See, there's our word, see the place where they laid him. Verse 7, but go tell his disciples the same idea see and then tell this is the way God has worked come see come experience I think of the passage that says come taste and see the Lord is good now go tell people about this amazing life changing message that's what the word gospel means good news you believe and you know of somebody who died and rose again go tell people and it's not just about his death Not just about the resurrection. Don't get me wrong. That is vitally important. But the whole message together. Because you can just sit here and talk about this guy, Jesus, that died, defeated death, and through him we can have forgiveness of sins. But to get the full story, now you have to go back. Go back to Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, please. And see the beginning of it. To understand God becoming man. That's what Emmanuel means. God with us. This idea that God became man to die for man. And let's see the same theme developing here now. Come and see. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now they're in the same country, shepherds, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I've always liked the shepherds. Always liked the shepherds. You know, grew up on a farm. We grew up with livestock. We had pigs for a while. We had sheep for a while. And I still to this day think the cutest baby animal is a baby lamb. It just is absolutely adorable. You have to remember here from a New Testament concept the idea of shepherds. There was one secular account that talked about how shepherds testimony was not allowed in court they were considered at the bottom rung of society constantly clean constantly dirty being around the animals and the sheep they had a very important job 
Some shepherds were helping raise the animals for the sacrifices, but yet they were looked down upon in society. And I think it's fascinating that the first gospel message goes to the shepherds. And look at the wording right here in verse 11. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The personalness of this. Born to you. To you. Verse 12. And they will, this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see, there's our word, this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. I like how the New Living Translation says, verse 17, After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. See and tell. We believe Jesus defeated death. Come see, go tell. We believe that God took the form of a man and was born in a manger. Come see, go tell. This is the overwhelming theme of what we're supposed to be doing. Now, we need to stop right here for a second, and we need to talk about these two points. The first point, come and see, and the second part, go and tell. It becomes a pattern. Come see, go tell. Here's the reality of the first part. Some people don't want to come see. They're not interested. They're just not interested in any way whatsoever. You can explain the gospel to them. You can give them the track. You can talk to them. You can try to have a conversation with them. They're just not interested. That, that always used to bother me. I mean, obviously it bothers me that this is eternity, but it's like, okay, what, what could I have done different? What could I have said? You know, this or that. And the reality is some people just aren't interested. Let's talk about this. Let's go to another gospel account of the birth of Jesus. Matthew 2, please. Matthew 2. It's amazing when you just go back and you look at all the conversations you have about Christ with people, all the different reactions. I'm mean, just thinking back to just some of the last few days, some of the conversations I had. I was coming out of Walmart, and there was a, the lady ringing the bell for the Salvation Army uh, basket. And she was all by herself. It was one of those days that was cold, and she was just out there faithfully ringing that bell. And I, and I thought, this takes a little bit of a heart to do this. And so it was just her by herself. Uh, so Dawn and I were there. Dawn, I think, put a little bit of money in the bucket. And I just started talking to her. And I said, you know, appreciate your willingness to do this. And, and she said, you know, thank you, whatever. I said, so, so why do you do this? Because I'm always fascinated. Why do people want to go do that? And so she's telling me about it. And I, and I said, so what do you like about it? And she says, their mission, their goal. And I said, well, you know, they are the Salvation Army. So we started talking about salvation. And here she was a believer. So Amen. Okay, but then there's the conversation with the cashier. And she's a senior. She's going to BG. She has uh, getting her degree in psychology. And she wants to really go out and help people, she said. That's her goal. I said, that's great. I said, what do you want to do? She goes, I want to give people hope. I said, the world needs hope. I said, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 15, that God is the God of hope. And that we can have hope and, and, and whatever. She didn't want to talk about it. She was fine talking about the psychology, but she didn't want to talk about the God of hope. Okay. And then Kenan wanted a Doritos Locos Taco. Don't ask me why. I think they're really gross, but he did. So we went through Taco Bell, 
And our guy at the window, whose name was Stone, which I think is fascinating, but you don't have enough time to have a conversation through a drive through window, Stone got a track. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with any of those. I just know that I'm responsible to go tell. And I look back on that, and Stone may have read that track, hit his knees, accepted Christ. He may have washed it. He may have thrown it away. I don't know. The cashier lady that absolutely had no interest whatsoever may go home, and that may be the first seed planted towards someone's salvation. I don't know. But the reality is you're going to go out, and you're going to represent Christ to a whole lot of people this holiday season, I hope. Some have no interest in any way whatsoever. And that's what also happened 2,000 years ago. Now, go to Matthew chapter 2 with me, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. I love the wise men. They're kind of mysterious. We add so much to them that are not biblical. We don't know how many they are. We just say there was three because of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's no reason to back that up biblically. We always like to put them at the manger. As far as we can tell from Matthew 2, they weren't in the manger. Jesus could have been as old as two years old here as they're showing up. We also like this idea of we give them names. That's not in the Bible either. This is what we know about them. That they came from the east. Well, how far? We don't know how far. We know that they've been traveling for quite some time, though. Quite some time. So they were from a long ways away. And to be quite honest, probably back during this type of traveling time, you wouldn't travel in a group of three like this, especially carrying gold. There was probably a caravan of them. It seems that happened that when they showed up to Jerusalem, got attention. How else did they get an audience with the king? Verse 2, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Three guys just randomly showing up to Jerusalem probably aren't going to get an audience with the king. But a caravan of guys coming in, that's going to bring some addition, especially people from the far east. Now, verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. That word troubled means trembling, shaking. Why? If you've ever studied out history before, you don't want to get on Herod's bad side. You'll probably end up dead. Herod's worked up. Everybody's worked up. Why is Herod worked up? Look at what they ask in verse 2. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Well, wait a second. Herod's king of the Jews. They're showing up asking the king of the Jews, where is the king of the Jews? Put that in perspective a little bit. It's like somebody coming out here to church and saying, hey, can I speak to the pastor? And I say, I'm right here. No, no, no. Can I speak to the pastor, please? You're a little offending me here a little bit. I'm the, you know, I'm the pastor. We'd like to see the king of the Jews. You're talking to the king of the Jews. No, the king of the Jews, verse 2, that we've seen his star in the east and come to worship him, this supernatural star. We're here to worship. Herod's starting to tremble a little bit. Verse 4, when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now this is where it gets interesting. These wise men show up from the east. They want to see the king of the Jews. Herod calls his wise men himself, the scribes, these are the experts in the Bible, says, hey guys, help me with this. They come back and say, we know where he'll be born. He'll be born in Bethlehem because Micah tells us this. They had the knowledge of this. They had the knowledge 
Verse 7, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I might come and worship him also. That's one of the biggest hypocritical statements in the entire Bible. Because we know, look at verse 16, same chapter. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. He was going to make sure this king did not live. But here's the deal. Bethlehem to Jerusalem is only five miles apart. It's only five miles. Okay. Back during Bible times, five miles is not much of a distance in any way whatsoever. I've read before that a typically healthy person can walk a mile in about 20 minutes. If you're pushing it, maybe closer to 15, but the reality is about 20 minutes. So five miles, hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. That's if you're going to walk it. That's not far at all. Imagine being a learned scholar, a scribe. This caravan of people come from the east, bringing gifts, kind of uproots the whole town of Jerusalem, saying, we're here to see the king of the Jews. This supernatural star has led them. You find the scriptures that say he'll be born in Bethlehem. It's just five miles away. And what do you do with this information? Absolutely nothing. You wouldn't go look. You wouldn't go search. You wouldn't have a passing curiosity to say, this is kind of crazy that these foreigners are here and there's a star and they're looking for the king of the Jews and they got this far and they're only a few miles from it and nothing. Because the reality is some people don't want to come and see. They don't want to come and see the empty tomb. They don't want to come and see the baby born and they don't want to come and see the child growing up to be the Messiah. They don't want to. That's a dangerous thing, folks. When I get a chance to share with people I would rather have somebody respond in anger. I'd rather have somebody respond in questions. I'd rather have somebody respond with frustration with God than complete, utter apathy. Apathy is so destructive. And the majority of the people we run into are just really apathetic towards God. We've grown up in this American society where it's just all over the place. Like I say once again, I'm going to make an assumption, and I hope I'm not assuming too much here. I doubt anybody here this morning is stopping and saying, I've never heard of Jesus before. Never heard of Jesus. I've never heard of this. I bet you we have. But are we going to come and see like the shepherds and go and tell? Or are we going to be like the scribes? Find the verses, know the verses, mark the verses. You brought your Bible, you can underline it, you can memorize it, you got the scriptures, you wear the cross, you got it all over. But it's not impacting or changing anything in any way whatsoever how we live or act. That's dangerous. The second part of it, go and tell. I go back to this point that I made earlier. If we really believe that the tomb is empty, we really believe that Jesus died and defeated death, if we really believe God became man and came down, why would that be the most amazing message we've ever heard and seen and say, I want this to come up in conversation. I'm praying for this to come up in conversation. And, and, and Lord, I'm not going to force it, but I, I'm going to throw out little seeds there to see if I can have the conversation steer back to this, to steer back to this. Sometimes people don't bite, and that's okay. You can't force it, you can't push it, but I want to represent it. I like what Psalm 66 verse 5 says, Come and see the works of God. 
He is awesome in his dealings towards the sons of men. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing towards the sons of men. If I believe that this is this amazing, this awesome, then I want to go out there and share that. I got a text from somebody this week, and the first part of the text was five capital E's in a row. Capital E, 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 E. And I first thought, saw that, and I thought he was doing something with my five boys. I don't know, Irvin's five boys? I don't know. And then underneath it, it stood for this. Everyone evangelizing everybody, every day, everywhere. I thought, that's pretty neat. Everyone evangelizing everybody, every day, everywhere. Going and representing the Lord. Now, a lot of times, the people that we're talking to already know the truth. So, how are we supposed to say, hey, come and see the empty tomb? I already know about the empty tomb. Come and see the baby born. I already know about the baby born. There's some other times where Jesus said, come. You don't need to turn there. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You, you know some people that are carrying a pretty heavy burden, and you're going to be around friends and family members over the next couple of days, and some of them have some heavy burdens, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Jesus is saying, come to me. You get to go represent that now. You get to go share how Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Then go tell. Matthew 28, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We go from come see to go tell once again. And this is the way it's supposed to be. Can you go with me now to John chapter 1? Let's see this put in practice here. We've talked about his death in the empty tomb and his resurrection. We've talked about his birth. Let's talk about him now at age 30, coming and seeing who he is. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's start right there. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, obviously, there'd be a reference to the Passover lamb. Christ is the sacrifice for our sins, who takes away the sin of the world. This idea that our sin has been dealt with, that, that's a huge deal. We all have done wrong. There's a guilt, there's a conviction, and sometimes a condemnation from Satan that we're wrong. And so since we're wrong, who's going to take care of this sin problem? Who's going to deal with that for us? That's the point of Christmas. If you go back to Matthew 1.21, when the angel appeared to Jesus and said, Behold, you should have a son, and you're going to call his name Jesus, who will take away the sin of the world. That's the goal of Christmas, to take away the sin of the world. We talked about that Wednesday, that Christ is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, even. It's an amazing idea. What I love about John is he's always pointing people towards Christ. 35, same chapter. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now, there's a couple things here. We keep talking about lamb, sacrifice for sins, but look at the repetition of this word, behold, verse 29, behold, verse 36, behold. Now, when's the last time you used the word behold? Not, not in the biblical sense of reading a verse. I'm saying, when's the last time you just... An everyday conversation. 
you pulled your Pop-Tart out of the toaster and said, behold, I don't know, I mean, when's the last time you don't say that word? I don't say that word. Behold carries this idea that what I am saying is so amazing. Everybody stop what you're doing and behold, look at this, pay attention to this. John is saying this is that big a deal that the Lamb of God is here to take away the sins of the world. Now, verse 37. Then two disciples, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. There's our phrase again. Jesus saying, come and see. Do you want this? Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Are you going to open the door? Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. So look what Andrew did. He came and saw, verse 39, and what does he do? He now goes and tells. This is the pattern, folks. Come and see, go and tell. 43, same chapter. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. It doesn't change. If you're here today and you're not saved, I want you to come and see the empty tomb, death defeated. I want you to come and see the idea of the babe born in the manger for the sins of the world. I want you to come and see. If you're here today and you are saved, I want you now to go and tell. Go and tell that Jesus can take away the burdens for his yoke is easy as burdens. Go and tell that the lamb has come to take away the sins of the world. Come and see, go and tell. That's the whole point of this. And this is the theme that God has from his birth to his death to his resurrection and even in the middle of his ministry at age 30. Come and see, go and tell. Now what we're going to finish though is with this. Because here's the deal. We, we know this, we hear this, but sometimes there's not that fire upon us to say let's go do this. I don't know. I don't know if we don't think about our mortality enough. I say this a lot, and I mean this sincerely. This may be the last time that we're together. I don't know what's going to happen over the next days and weeks. This may be the last time I see you. This may be the last time you see me. We, we never know when natural death is going to happen. We, we really don't. And we all know of people, we all know stories, some very recently, of where it happens so quick that there's not a time to say goodbye. You're going to be a lot around a lot of friends and family over the next couple of days. Today is the day to start praying to say, Lord, open the door so I can go and tell the reality of who you are. To, to really stop and say, this is, this is what's important. I really try to live my life that everything I do is a missions trip. So wherever I go, I'm going to represent Christ and what I do and what I say. Now, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes there's fear. Sometimes there's worry. Sometimes there's anxiety. Sometimes there's nervousness. I stumble and fumble over my words, and sometimes I'm too scared to say anything. Oh, Lord, help us to believe this and go out and powerfully present this. But now it's the time to start praying about it because I don't know when the end will happen for any of us. 
And I don't want to sit back and say, boy, I wish I would have, could have. Number two, I don't know when the end is going to happen. I mean the end. The idea of the end of the world, Jesus Christ returning. It could happen. Look at this, Revelation chapter 6, please. We're going to get kind of heavy here for the Sunday before Christmas, Christmas message. Revelation, please. Revelation 6, verse 1. Now, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. See our theme developing here, the Lamb. And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. I looked and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and the people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, by the beast of the earth. This is end time stuff. And if the seal judgments look rough, wait till you get to the trumpet and the bowl judgments. What are they trying to tell us here? Well, I see a repetition. Verse 1, verse 3, verse 5, verse 7. Come and see. Come and see the reality of this. Come and see the reality that this world that is cursed and falling apart is going to be judged. Come and see the reality that Jesus Christ is going to return. Amen. And when he returns, you're not going to miss this. The Bible says he lands on Mount Olive, splits the mountain, creates a new river, makes the Dead Sea come alive. See, that's the problem, folks. We need to see the Dead Sea come alive. And what I mean by that is this. The reason the Dead Sea is dead is because water flows in and water doesn't flow out. So what happens is this, this water flows in and the salinity of the water builds up, so therefore nothing can live in it because there's not a release of the water. So the Dead Sea just kind of keeps getting this salt level up. And the reality is that we as believers can become like the Dead Sea. We just keep taking in. Sure, we mark the verses, we underline the verses, we worship, we go to church, we do, we do, we do, but we never go out. We just collect. And what happens is we become really spiritually fat sheep. The idea is we're supposed to go out there and exercise our faith. We're supposed to go out there and work out our salvation. Not work for our salvation, work out our salvation. Strengthen those things that are weak. And I just wonder how many of us just keep taking in, taking in. We're getting spiritually fat, but we're never going out. And it's the Dead Sea. Christ comes back, returns, and literally turns the Dead Sea into life. Boy, go tell. This is what we're going to finish with, though, now. Last chapter in the entire Bible, Revelation 22. Come and see, go and tell. His resurrection, his birth, his ministry, end times. Revelation 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. Let him who thirsts, Come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Oh, I love that. 
It's all right there. Come. Come. He's not trying to make this difficult. It's hard to get lost on a one-way street, folks. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by him. Come. Do you want this? Come. The Spirit is saying, come. Who's hearing saying, come. Who's thirsty, come. Who, if you whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. 17. If you want this, it's there. Come and see and take it. And I hope you do. I hope we present that. Verse 20, same chapter. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming quickly. Jesus is saying, you're going to see me quickly. I'm coming. And like I said, he's coming, and it's not going to be this. This, this. this second coming of Christ where he comes and he rights the wrongs and he rules and reigns for a thousand years on this earth. He is coming quickly. But it's interesting, of all the come and sees in the Bible, we had the angels saying, come and see the empty tomb. We saw the shepherds coming and seeing the baby born. We had Jesus saying, come and see who I am. And then we see Philip and Andrew saying, come and see, pointing other people. The last idea of coming and seeing is actually from us. It's not 20, surely I'm coming quickly. Listen, 21, excuse me, 20. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming quickly. Look at the last one. Amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. The last words of coming are us saying, Christ, come. This is where we get that phrase, Maranatha. Come, come quickly, Christ. Now, do we really mean that? I mean, that's, come, Lord Jesus. Do we, do we really mean that? We got a little phrase that we use a lot at the Irvin home, the idea that Christ could return. We try to say it sincerely. You know, maybe there's something come up that we don't want to go through, and the boys are getting worked up, somebody's getting worked up. Hey, listen, Jesus may return before then. No reason to get worked up about it. Sometimes it becomes lighthearted. The boys will have an exam coming up. They're like, hey, maybe Jesus will return before that. You know, maybe he will. I don't know, but go study. You know, I mean, you don't know. Sometimes it becomes very lighthearted. Hey, we need to take out the trash and burn it. Hey, Jesus may return. Okay, well, he'll return as you're burning it. You know what I mean? Go. Be on fire for Christ. Um, but the reality is this. I, I wonder, in all honesty, do I really mean that? Even so, come Lord Jesus. I mean, part of me stops and says, oh yeah, I mean, to be done. I mean, all physical pain is done. All spiritual struggles are done. All emotional worry, fear, anxiety, it's all done. Oh yes, Lord, come. But I think if you go ask my boys, hear me, what's today? Today's the 22nd, so what? Three days before Christmas? If you go ask my boys, do you want Jesus to return? Oh yes, when? 26th. You know, 26th would be a good day. Let's celebrate his birth for a few days and then let's go. Just be careful. Just be careful that we don't become so content, so comfortable, and so complacent that we're no longer saying, Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. It's a dangerous spot. Just be careful with all the knowledge we have and all the Bibles we have and all the verses we've marked and memorized that we're not like the scribes that won't go five miles to go see what was born king of the Jews. We've got to be careful about this. Just be careful that we don't become so focused on us that we become the Dead Sea, bringing in, bringing in, bringing in, but never going out. Come and see, go and tell.
from his death and resurrection to his birth to his ministry to end times. Come and see, go and tell. Be prayed up and ready. You never know when the opportunity is going to come. I encourage you. We've got tracks in the back that carry the tracks with you. Just be prayed up. Say, Lord, I want to represent you. I want to represent you in this and give me the heart for this. And just remember, there's going to be times where you don't go and tell. Aren't you glad God's bigger than that? I'm so thankful that God's bigger than that. I look at the times where I've dropped the ball. I didn't share when I should have shared. Maybe I shared too much. And I just walk away and I just feel defeated and I just stop and I say, God, you're sovereign. So Lord, just give me another chance. Give me an opportunity to come and see, go and tell because that's all that matters here. Worship team, if you can come forward for the final song. I just want to say a quick thanks as they're coming up here. It's been a pretty active last, oh gosh, probably month plus out here at church. 